Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, this is Pat Prescott for This Lady Loves Sports. We have a special guest today. He is a three-time NBA champ with the Lakers, a former coach, and a current ESPN analyst. Byron Scott joins us today. Let's go! Welcome to This Lady Loves Sports Podcast with Pat Prescott. Sports. She knows it all and is here to talk about it. So get ready to hear sports talk in a way that you've never heard before. It's This Lady Loves Sports Podcast. And here's your host, Pat Prescott. Well, I know one person that knows This Lady Loves Sports, and he's in the studio with me right now, and that is Byron Scott. Uh, former Laker, great three-time NBA champ. Got to give you credit for all all of the rings. Absolutely. You don't. You're not wearing them. <laughs> no. Do you ever wear them? Uh, every blue moon. Okay. Every blue moon. When I, you, you when know, you just want to show off. Yeah. When I want to show off, I want to just prove to people that uh, you know I, I have earned these three. And uh, but not. I mean, it has to be a special occasion for me. Yeah, I bet that when you were coaching, you would you put them on every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wanted to guys to straight. see. You know, I wanted these guys to see. Listen, this is what this is all about. It's about winning championships. So it, it was it was a great uh, conversational piece. You know, for younger players, and they would always want to hold them and try them on and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And I said, okay, you can try them on, but give them back because this is mine. You got to get your own. Yeah, I feel you. That's <laughs> the way that has to go. And uh, when you uh, stopped coaching and became an ESPN analyst, I was so happy, not only because you're smart and you're funny, and that particular job gave you a chance to, like, show more of your personality, but also because you got to wear those suits that you used to wear <laughs> over there on the sideline. <laughs> Well, I, I think no you're right, though. Suits, well, thank you, Pat. I'm just there hanging it. in the closet. You're like, uh... Well, I'm going to wear these two now. These. Yeah, yeah. You're right. That did give me a chance to wear them, but uh, absolutely right about just uh, being able to be me, you know, yeah. ESPN and just have fun. And uh, the real Byron Scott kind of comes out, the personality, the funniness, and the joking, the guy that jokes around and all that good yes, stuff. Because you, you don't see that on the sideline because I am serious about what I do. Oh, no question. You know, so yeah. uh, this is a whole different area that a lot of people don't get a chance to see on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it's kind of like a tale of three careers. And let's let's go back yeah. to the beginning and talk about uh, growing up here in Los Angeles. You know, uh, I always say that at some point they should be an all-L.A. team and no one would beat them. <laughs> when you look at the great talent that has come out of the, the Los Angeles area. So talk about like your... Your, your, how you fell in love with sports, because that's a lot about what this program is about. We want to know your sports love story, because all of us who love it have that. And I know for you, it must have started when you were just a kid. Yeah, I mean, I was six, seven years old, you know, with a basketball in my hand, with a baseball in my hand, with a football. I mean, I was, when you talk about love sports, I love sports. I mean, um, whatever the season was is what I wanted to play. You know, me and my buddies, when I got old enough, when I was in the sixth, seventh grade, we would go down to play basketball during the basketball season. Then when that when it was baseball season, we had a field down in Eaglewood that we would go play baseball. When it was football, we had another field that we would go play football on. And since I lived in Eaglewood in the, in the, uh, the hood area, um, 
all our guys from for First Avenue, First Avenue to Eighth Avenue, we had so many guys that we knew we had enough to play eleven eleven football and and play baseball and all that. So I grew up just loving sports in general, uh, and, and I think a lot of that's because I was so competitive. You know, I just wanted to play sports. I wanted to win. Um, and, and it didn't matter what sport it was, you know, and, and I just really took the basketball probably a little bit more than the other ones when I got to high school. You know, I, when I got to high school is where I figured, you know what, I'm pretty good at this sport. You know, I'm a little bit better in this than I am the other two. And I decided to uh, to stick to basketball and try to make that a career. As for someone who uh, really excelled in, in, in your career, you know, who really went on to, to be a championship player, uh, when did winning championships become important to you? Did you ever have a taste of that when you were coming up, like maybe in, in high school or, or high AAU or any of that? Yeah, high school. Uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't, I, didn't, I didn't play AAU. It wasn't called AAU back then anyway. I mean, we played. Was that uh, Pop Warner? It was, yeah, it was BCI, Pop Warner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all changed, obviously. But uh, when, when I was in high school, my, my senior year in, or my junior year in high school, we got to the, to, to the state Final Four. And we lost to a, a team called Pasadena that had a guy named Dale Cook, who was a, a great high school player. Uh, and that's when I started wanting to win championships, you know, because I, I, I had that that you got uh, so that close. taste of defeat yeah. in my in my mouth. And I was like, I you know, I just don't want this again. And then getting to college, never really getting a chance to, uh, it, it, you know, get to that, you know, final four, sweet 16 uh, in college, but then you know, obviously, my first year with the Lakers, you know, I mean, it, it was known right away. You know, Magic Johnson, those guys were like, "Listen, you know, we we play to win championships. Bottom line, you know, you're a rookie, and this is how we do it." And so, I mean, it was embedded in me right away. You know, when I got with the Lakers, that this is what it's all about. And um, and from that point on, it was you know, it was either win championships or it's a busted season. Yeah, talking about uh, joining the Lakers, tell us about how that whole thing happened because it's not that often that you get to go to your team, right? you know, to start off. I mean, we see it happen every now and then. And we're seeing more and more players now come out, come and say it out loud, this is where I want to go, right. which I think is, that's a whole other thing we'll right, talk about right. later. But, <laughs> right. but uh, what was, tell us, just tell us that whole story of, of joining the Lakers. Well, you know, the, the, the crazy thing about it, I was drafted by the Clippers, and they were the San Diego Clippers at the time. And I was extremely happy because of the fact that, number one, it was close to home. And you got drafted. And I got one. drafted. Yeah, number one, <laughs> really? you get drafted, you know. And number two, you're close to home, so your folks and your your your, your siblings and your friends don't have to drive all over the country to come see you. And get so you I'll, to buy tickets for them you, to Yeah, come exactly, to the exactly. So <laughs> I, I thought it was, a, it was a great idea to be, you know, it was a great position to be in, be with the Clippers at that time. But... You know, they wasn't a very good basketball team. And, and Donald Sterling, God bless him now because he traded me. You know, <laughs> I was happy about that, that he traded me this to the This is one of the things this man did that we actually liked. <laughs> Absolutely. It was one thing that I, I loved about him, that he traded me to the Lakers. And when I got there, uh, it was just a whole different ball game. You know, just getting traded. I got traded for a very popular player in Norm Nixon. And uh, and it wasn't a very popular trade either. You know, and, and it was funny because of a few uh, months after that trade, you know, Jerry West called me into his office and he said, listen, you know, I'm getting a lot of grief about all this stuff about me trading Norm for you. You know, who's this rookie? You know, he you know, we don't understand what Jerry's doing. Maybe he's lost his mind a little bit. And Jerry said, I'm going to tell you something, young man. He still calls me young man to this day. He says, young man, we're going to win more championships with you than we would have ever won with him. And these people are going to be kissing my you know what when it's all said and done. So when I leave his office. You know, the pressure that I felt was that I can't let him down. 
you know, I got to go out here and perform and play the best basketball I can to make sure that I give us a chance to win championships and do my job with all these other great players that we had. So uh, that was kind of the start of it, you know, just getting drafted and then getting traded to the, you know, I always say to people, I went from the outhouse to the penthouse <laughs> <laughs> in a matter of a matter of weeks. And it was it was the best, um, you know, the best trade for me that would would could ever occur, you know, being traded to your home team, the team that you love, the team that you grew up admiring and wanted to be a part of. And being here in L.A. too, then you really had to buy tickets. Yeah. You oh, had I had family and friends coming out the woodworks. And they cost more, too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something to think about. You know, uh, tell us what that brotherhood was like because that was what those Laker teams felt like to me you know I'm you know I've spent most of my adult life in New York mm-hmm. as you know mm-hmm. I'm a longtime suffering Knicks fan <laughs> and I almost feel silly saying that at this point because it's been so long since boy it hasn't been since 94 that we've had anything to cheer for as Knicks fans not really but um I always looked at that group as like the prototype of what a team should be. There seemed to be real leadership there, real camaraderie there, Mm -hmm. and as you alluded to, the the true desire to win. Yeah, and and real love for one another. I mean, we truly, truly cared about one another. Uh, We wanted each other to do extremely well, and I think that is evident today because of the fact that I I see Magic almost two or three times a week at the gym. We always talk. Uh, I, I see James and talk to James and play golf with James, uh, we see Coop at you know little events, and AC's my my daughter's godfather. You and know, Norman probably and, actually speaks to you now. And Norman, and I speak all the time. Yeah, yeah. Norman because Norm comes to the gym as well, so we speak as well. Kareem, you know, I see Cap every now and then because he does the jump as well. You know, uh, you know. So it's a brotherhood that I think has lasted over the over the last twenty years, and it's only one reason it's lasted because we went through so much as a group. We won so much. We we lost some games. But we we kept that that camaraderie, you know, that love for each other to to always support each other. Uh, And then even to this very day, you know, we we could call each other. Magic can call me or James or any of us and say, I'm doing an event and we're we're there. I mean, that's how we feel about each other. I don't think you see a lot of teams like that anymore that have that. Even the Celtic teams that we played against that was so great. I don't think they had that same type of camaraderie that we have. Yeah, there was not the love. And you didn't feel so. It always felt like you guys were having fun with each other. Yes. And, you know, you talk about leadership. You can't talk about leadership in the Lakers without talking about the Buzz family. Mm -hmm. And because it really comes from the top down. Seriously unique uh, team ownership there and I think um, you know I had a, an opportunity and, I, and you're going to help me do this again because I got to get her on my podcast Sounds good. to talk to Jeannie Buss oh, yeah. when she uh, wrote the Laker Girl book mm-hmm. which if you have not read this you got to read this this is such an important book not just about the Lakers and about basketball but really kind of about the history of LA mm-hmm. and, and the history of her father's business and so many insights into her this is a brilliant woman Yes, and you understand why her father you know first of all I saw isn't she cute (laughs) don't let that fool you oh she's Phil's girlfriend and all that but boy this woman is something else but it's 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 something in the blood isn't it yeah and and like you said she learned from the best you know Dr. Buss who uh, was an innovator uh, just understood what people wanted uh, when it came to basketball, uh, he, he made it a, a spectator spectator sport, you know, where even even the actors and actresses that were coming were being entertained by some of the things that he was doing. I mean, brought in Laker girls. Uh, he, he brought in 
television, you know, when it was supposed to be blocked out in that certain area, he, he you know, he created, I can't remember the station, it was a prime time or something that he created where you could see home games of the Lakers play. Exactly. He you really know. showed all the other franchises how to make that little extra money. He did. You know, he really changed the whole financial dynamic, I think, of, yeah, of basketball. I think because even, you know, you know, Davis Stern was kind of like, wait a minute, you're going to do what? You're going to have Laker girls? You're going to do this? You're going to do that? He's like, yeah. And they start to follow that blueprint. So he, he was just uh, an amazing owner. Um, he would talk to anybody on that team from number one to number 13. You could call him and ask him for advice. And, um, you know, I, I remember the first job that I that I uh, had, the New Jersey job, when I got fired. Dr. Buss was the first person to call me. He said, when wow. you coming home? Wow. You know, I want you to come to a game and sit in the box with me, wow. you know. And, and I just thought that was so cool, you know, that um, an, an owner of his stature would call me and say, hey, I don't know what they're doing. They messed up. But when you coming home, let's get together. And we did, you know, and, and I came home and went to a couple of games and sit there with him. And he asked me my opinion on things that were going on. And um, it, it was just special to have him in a room. It, it really was because he just lit up the room and he was about as normal as you and I, Pat. I mean, he, he didn't. I mean, just just a, a, a true human being that cared about people. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about the Laker family and and coming together. And after, after um, Mr. Bus died, um, there was a really weird period in there. Yeah, that I think a lot of people like yourself, I think, felt really alienated from the whole Laker family. And then, of course, when Jeannie came back and and took over, and now with Magic coming back, and now. LeBron James oh, yeah. or L.A. Bron. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, coming together. It's uh, it's interesting to watch. The family is coming together again. You can really see that. All of you guys are starting to show up, and what a great impact you can have on this team when you start getting all these people. Y'all should all just show up one day. Everybody put on all their rings. <laughs> just come in. Just that'd, sit, be, a, that'd know? be a lot of rings, you know? boy. <laughs> That'd be a lot of rings. <laughs> That'd be a lot of rings, man. You know, because people will have to, like, shut up and then listen. Yeah. But I think they're ready. And, you know, LeBron James, uh, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Oh, wow. And I would imagine that because of your position, you know, as as an as an analyst and mm-hmm. also as someone really close to Magic and close to the team, you kind of knew that this was coming down. Well, I, I suspected, you know. Uh, the one thing Irvin and I don't do is, is talk about what's going on in his world. You know, and I don't. probably I don't, can't really. And, yeah. and he shouldn't, yeah. you know, and and I don't ask. Not in specifics. Right. Anyway. And and I don't ask. I mean, we talk we talk in general about the game of basketball and what we're doing this week or whatever. And you know, we always give our, our, each other our big hugs and things of that nature and ask about family and things. But uh, I, I really had a feeling that LeBron was coming here. And, and, and for two reasons. Number one, because Jeannie had took taken back over the organization so i knew the organization was in good hands and then when she hired magic yeah when when magic when when they when magic and and rob came along it was clear that they meant business oh yeah yeah they were they were getting back to that that winning ways and how important it is to put that purple and gold on so i had a really good feeling that if magic could sit down with lebron james for five minutes lebron james would be a laker and um you know so as we got closer to that and you kept hearing the buzz and, uh, you know, I talked to Irvin about, you know, how that conversation went, which was really funny to me. And it was great. And I won't go into that. But it, it was it, I said, I told I said, Buck, I knew if you got a chance to sit in front of him, <laughs> he was going to be a Laker. <laughs> and he said, B, you know me, you know me. I, I, I'm going to just talk to him like like I talk to you. 
You know, I'm going to keep it real. And and I think LeBron respected that. He appreciated it. And I think he also knows the history of putting on that purple and gold. Oh, and LeBron understands the history of the game, period, and the value of veterans and what you can learn from people who have, you know, if you're walking through a minefield, walk behind somebody. Exactly. (laughs) I ain't going to walk beside you. (laughs) I ain't going to walk in front of you. You show me where the same spots are. Every footstep you step, I'm going to take until you step on one, then I'm... (laughs) I'm going to go a different way. (laughs) But, you know, LeBron's coming to the Lakers was a lot different from your coming to the Lakers uh, simply because of the fact that back then no one would know unless you told them until the the next day when maybe the papers came out. But now there is nothing that is a secret. And LeBron dropped a whole lot of clues, you know, when he bought that house here and you know everybody knows his son was in what right. is Sierra, Sierra yeah, Canyon yeah, and he, with yeah. Scottie Pippen's son yeah. and, you know we're like mm-hmm. so <laughs> let me see we're gonna live in Cleveland but our son is mm. gonna be playing basketball in LA don't, I don't think, think so. so yeah you know and, 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 and you can't the, hide anything now no, everything you, you is can it's public knowledge just go online you can google what the property sales right, were and right, stuff like that right and we also know that he's real big into to movies now you executive producer a bunch of movies so where else are you going to be if you want to get in the movie industry? You know, so like you said, he he dropped a bunch of hints and and you got to give him credit, you know, and, it, and his other people, you know, uh, Rich Paul and those guys, they didn't come out and say anything. They were quiet about it, but they were dropping hints all year long. And uh, I had a lot of people at the gym was like, what are you going to do? I said, he's coming to L.A., you know, and I, and I said it so nonchalantly that they was like, really? I was like, yeah. Why do you think that? I, I just got a feeling. You know, I just got a feeling. Yeah. So I was probably just as thrilled as anybody when he signed or when he said he was coming to Los Angeles. I, I was jumping up and down, you know, because I knew that that was going to put the purple and gold back on the map. Well, I had to smile, though, because I was I was just thinking about how many uh, people who have perennially hated the Lakers, mm-hmm. how much hate there must be now. Boy, people must be really pissed because <laughs> oh, I remember yeah. Oh, yeah. really hating the Lakers. Yeah. OK, because I was a Knicks fan. Right, I right. mean, that was that was obvious. Right. You had to hate the Lakers. <laughs> and then when I moved out here, you know how much the Lake, the, the Knicks sucked in the 2001. That was when I moved <laughs> out here. And that was when Shaq and Kobe, Kobe were was rolling. Running. Yeah. So yeah. it got very difficult after. After, it's hard to keep hating a team that wins all the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and that you really admire a lot of the. And who doesn't love Shaquille O'Neal? Yeah, and even when Shaq. Kobe was somebody who we just thought was was we a great player who was weird, mm-hmm. you know, you still had to like and respect him yes. for what he did, yes. you know. And, and now we're getting to see more of uh, of who he is, right, which right. is a wonderful thing too. But um, you know. Uh, people are going to be hating on the Lakers no, again no <laughs> a lot. They're no mad. Because yeah, LeBron was the prize. It, he was. He, he was, was the, the prize. prize of the free agent market this season. And he, he comes to the purple and gold. And, and just like Magic and Genie, they know that he will attract others. You know, in this next year or two, he's going to attract others. So they, you Everywhere know, he goes. Yeah, that, that's just him. That's yeah. his brand. That's that's the type of impact he has on the NBA and, and whatever team that he chooses to be a part of. And, uh, fortunately for us here in Los Angeles, it's the Los Angeles Lakers that he's chosen to be a part of for the next four years. Yeah, he is the rising tide that that will really raise, I think, everybody around him. But I was really pleased with the team last year with those young kids, you know, with uh, Kyle Kuzma yeah, and, yeah. and Brandon. O. I mean, that, that, that's a yeah. nice. So when he came, my first thought was, ooh, they're going to get rid of some of those people. I love Julius Randle. Right. But, yeah, you know, I'm, it's a, the thing is, and I, I think this about people, uh, about players, 
um, who get traded mm-hmm. a lot. You know, you look at people like Jamal Crawford. I mean, you get traded because you're good. You're a good mm-hmm. piece. You don't get traded like that unless you are something that's a valuable piece that people can offer when they're trying to get something else. Yeah, most of the guys get traded or traded for a reason because they are very valuable. And like you said, they can go to another team and, and still perform. Jamal Crawford's been doing it for years. You know, it doesn't uh, diminish what you've been able to accomplish in the league. Julius Randle, like you said, I'm going to miss Julius here in that purple and gold because I love Julius. And when every time uh, y'all get, have to play him, oh, boy, you know, you and he's, he's a get bull up for and that. Oh, he's a bull. I mean, he's, he's so strong <laughs> and athletic. He's such a great guy, too. I, I, I loved him as a person uh, even, even more than I did as a basketball player. But like you said, to get LeBron and to keep – Kuzman and Ingram and Ball and those young guys who started to really play well last year, he's going to elevate their play because he's going to demand that these guys play well. He's going to demand that they work hard in practice, that they work hard in games, that they don't take plays off. So he's going to bring a certain amount of energy. And I think Rondo is too. Rondo's a veteran guy. Can't sleep on that. Yeah, he's a pit bull type guy. You know, Lance Stevens, pit bull type. So so now he got some dogs in there that's going to go after people. And that means everybody else got to raise their game up that's on the team. So all you guys that were there last year, you better be be ready and get yourself ready for training camp and the regular season, preseason, because it's going to be it's going to be a, a ride. And, and, you know, the moves that are being made are really kind of quietly brilliant, too. I mm-hmm. mean, you look at uh, those veterans, I mean, the one year deals, which is. It's going to be nice because yeah. that's going to give you some flexibility yes. next time around. Yes. You know, even the whole thing with LeBron. I mean, if you compare coming to the Lakers to his going to Miami, first of all, the decision and the big rally mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that other stuff and waiting all summer to find out what was going to happen. I thought it was kind of cool. Let, let um, Free agency starts. Boom, I'm going. I thought to it LA. was real cool. Let's let's stop talking cuz people were saying, "Oh, we're going to have to hear you talk about LeBron James." Yeah, draw this thing no. out. Yeah. No, now we're talking about the LA Lakers. Right. I, I thought Not it was great LeBron. on his part uh that he didn't do it like he did the first time. And I, and I think the but first time. But he's matured time, a lot too. Yeah, he has. Cuz the first time I thought was a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, I really did. You know, you can make your decision and you don't have to do it on national TV. Somebody and all suggested that, stuff. that to him Somebody and it sounded did. like a cool idea. Yeah, and it was and it and it wasn't, you know. But I love the way he did it this year. He just flew in I'm coming exactly you know, he didn't have all the hoopla and all that stuff but like you said he's matured and and when you listen to LeBron you could tell that he's very mature he understands exactly what he wants in life he understands how he's trying to help so many people as he did in in, in Ohio you and know we'll I mean? continue to do yeah Ohio. we'll continue to do in Ohio you know? And you know he's got charity events that he loves doing he's given over 40 million dollars of his money to some of these events. So he is real big into giving back into the community. Yeah, and, and doesn't like real. to talk about it a lot. Doesn't he just talk likes about to do it. it. Just like, yeah, doesn't talk about let it. Let his actions do all the talking for him. So yeah. we're, we're kind of looking forward to the LeBron James era here. You know, we were talking about uh, losing players and, and the, making those hard decisions where you have to trade and stuff. And I know this is a lot of what you had to do mm-hmm. as a coach. Yeah. And I, I, get, I get the feeling that you still kind of love coaching. I mean, when I hear you doing analysis on on tv i'm like this dude is still a coach <laughs> it, it's still in my blood you know what i mean pat it's still in my blood and i do love it because uh, i do love the camaraderie i do love uh strategizing for games i love practice i love preparing and then obviously you love the actual game you know and i love competing you know so i, I still love it um, what about the traveling though? The, that, the traveling, you know, the traveling gets old. That's a you bit know what much, I mean? Yeah, right? the traveling gets old. But the traveling is better now because you got your own planes and you can go when it's you true. want to. That's a different so kind it's a of whole traveling. Lot of, there's a whole <laughs> lot of difference than when we traveled back in the day where you had to catch the first thing smoking. You know, so there, there's still so many 
great things about the NBA that I love. Um, and uh, the coaching part, you know, like I said, I've, I've kind of given up on that, you know, per se, but I love it. Oh, you've given up on, on yeah, what? I, on, on the, the NBA on coaching? The NBA or? coaching, yeah. But, not, but what about college? College I would definitely think about, mm-hmm. you know, because I would love to get some of these guys before they get to the, you know, mm-hmm. to the pro level because – Hopefully I can teach them because it's hard when you get them there, you know, because I've had guys that I, I would tell, listen, you should have learned this in high school. You know, so we're, we're going over all these things that you should have learned three or four years ago. So if I can get them early, I can get them more prepared for when they do get to the NBA. And that would be a, that would exactly. be a joy. That would really be a joy. Yeah, well, I know that people who love being involved in sports, athletes, people who are athletes who, you know, retire. Y'all get to retire so early. I yeah. hate you a little bit yeah. for that. <laughs> And with real money, too. And as a coach, let me just say, Byron, you know, as somebody who's a friend, I consider myself to be a friend of yours. Oh, absolutely. You know, when they would fire you, I was like, Brian, Byron's getting paid. Byron's getting paid. Anyway, he's still getting paid. Byron's getting paid. Now he can lay back and chill, rest a minute, and think, "Mm, now which team do I want to go to next? What do I want to do next? And I was not surprised at all to see you uh, become an NBA analyst. And as I was alluding to earlier, I just love... I love seeing you on the jump. I love seeing you every, and they they put you on everything. Yeah, yeah. Did I not see you eating worms with Michelle Beadle? You did. Well, it wasn't worms. Oh, what was it? It, it was grasshoppers. It, it was grasshoppers. That's pretty close. But it was yeah. You, you know, were but, eating bugs well, with you know Michelle what? Beadle. Pat, I could I'm, not believe. It. I said no. Byron's <laughs> not going to eat that with Michelle. He's not. <laughs> well, Jalen was like, "Nah, y'all can have that." You know. But I'm like, uh, and I've always been very adventurous type guy when it comes to food. You know, I'll try anything once. You know. So Michelle was like, "I, you I know, saw." You yeah. Try something you know, during once. the break, I was like, "Michelle, what is that?" She said, "Oh, these are grasshoppers, and I want to eat these on the show." And I'm trying to get you know get Mike and Jalen. They both like, "No, nah, we ain't doing it." Well, plus, you weren't going to let that girl. Eat, oh, eat that's bugs. the other thing. Thank I was you. like, I, "Michelle, I, I can't let that. you eat it, and I'm not." <laughs> I'm, I I'm thought gonna, I'm that go Jalen would eat it just because you I was going to man up. The so girl I, was I, yeah, I thought so too. But uh, Jalen was like, "No, no, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't going there." So when she said, "You know, coach, let's have some," I said, yeah, "Let's try them out." And it was, be honest with you, it was pretty good. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was watching as I often do, you know, because I'm I'm that person that you know, like I'll watch football all day Sunday, mm-hmm. watch Sunday night. And then watch Sports Center and watch the highlights of the games I just watched. <laughs> and then watch on Monday and, uh-huh. and you know, and Thursday night. Yep, Let's not forget say, Thursday, Thursday night, night too. Football too yeah. And uh, so I, I do see a lot and I'm you know, sports on television has become so interesting mm-hmm. when there's something happening. When there's mm-hmm. not much happening. Right, it's kind right. of funny to watch y'all try to make something out of nothing. <laughs> I, those days must be some of the more interesting and challenging yeah, ones, they, aren't they? They are. When you try, when the game is boring and the, one team is killing another, and there's really not much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> but that's when your personalities really. Yeah, come that's out. when you just, for me at least, I, that's when I just have fun. Yeah, you know, and, I just really try to have fun. And, and there's a lot myself. of that going on on these shows. And and one of the things that um, I find to be just wonderful is watching the women in sports now because uh, I'm talking about sports journalism yes. and. Yes. And, uh, um, and, and uh, who are the analysts and all that? Because there was a time when, you know, it was just let's put a little pretty girl here and mm-hmm. let her read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that is not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. These are knowledgeable women with a point of view. And I, I love Michelle Beadle. Oh, I love because Michelle. Because Michelle is like a dude. And she's like one of the dudes, man. You can yeah. tell. Does she have brothers? 
I don't know. I, <laughs> I know she says she her did. dad turned her on, turned her into a Spurs fan, and all yeah, that, yeah. But, oh, she's big time Spurs yeah. fan. Yeah, but um, I just love her irreverence and how she she go toe to toe with Marcellus Wiley or whoever it is. It doesn't yeah, matter. No, she don't back down, and she knows how to laugh it off. Too. She does. She's funny, like you said, great sense of humor, but very knowledgeable about the game. I love Michelle Beatles. Rachel Nichols is one of my Rachel favorites. Rachel Nichols obviously. is also awesome. Uh, um, Carrie love Champion. Carrie, I've, I've uh, loved her Carrie since she used to do stay uh, still. Love it. I mean, we yeah. we have some great women that are in sports that not only are beautiful but very intelligent and, and it's and really let, fun to listen to them as well and let's not forget jamel hill who oh, i jamel, really think uh, has gotten she's fantastic. screwed over yeah I, she did uh i don't know what happened with that but uh they, they lost a very good person a very good person yeah a very good person and she will definitely survive oh, she'll bounce and, and back. Do what no she's doubt about do. it i know as someone who uh i think every coach is a teacher and i think you've definitely got that teacher in you and that probably has a lot to do with why you wrote your book slam dunk success and i'd like to kind of close with just a, a little bit about the book and uh about what you'd like to see people be able to get from the things that you have learned in your life and career well, Slam Dunk Success was a book that was done by me and my, my business partner, Charlie Norris. And uh, we we just thought that it was, it was great that we had an unbelievable relationship. And if you look at the cover of this book, it has two arcs. And the first one is that don't judge a book by its cover because I'm a 6'4", ex-athlete and you know, dark and handsome and all that good stuff. And this is a And five, modesty is one of and, your many qualities. Absolutely. I see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and my buddy's about a 5'8 Jewish guy. It's about 70-something years old. And and we couldn't look, to- I mean, we do look totally different, obviously. And yeah, it's a little have, mutton Jeff yeah, thing going yeah, on there. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot in common. And we just, we thought it would be interesting for people to understand that, you know, sports and business, running a business company and running a sports team has a lot of, uh, similarities and, and how did the two of you uh, get to we, to we met at you? equinox gym in west la 12 years ago and we started to work out a year after we met and we just just really hit it off and uh gotten to know his family extremely well as he's gotten to know my family and really what we're, we're trying to let people know through this book that it's it's probably easier to be the next charlie norris than it is to be the next byron scott and you can get the same enjoyment by uh, being a business person or being an entrepreneur and making that big sale as you can by winning championships or winning basketball games. It's the same type of drill. It's, I mean, same type of uh, thrill, same type of adrenaline. And uh, especially when I go to inner city kids, Pat, I always talk to them about, you know, try to be the next Charlie Norris. You know, it, it's so few of us that get a chance to get out and be successful in sports, basketball, baseball, football, whatever it may be. But you, the odds are so much easier. I wouldn't say, you know, it's easy to be a, a successful businessman, but it's a lot easier than being a professional athlete. You know, I mean, when you just look at the odds. So uh, that's yeah, one there, of the there are a lot more uh, slots available whole for the more. businessmen than there are a for whole the lot more. So <laughs> so we, we, we really we go to a lot of inner city schools and we talk to the kids about, you know, about what we've done and our passion about my passion for basketball, his passion for business and how they core, how they come together and correlate. And, and we also try to tell these kids that whatever you decide you want to do, make sure you do it at 110 percent. You know, go all out for it. But if you don't make it, make sure you have something to fall back on. And that's when we start really hitting the educational part of it. Well, if you had to pick the top three things that you want people to learn from this book, if you're speaking to a, a group of, of people, young or old, mm-hmm. uh, what are some, what are like three main principles of success that you see that are universal? I think, number one, um, you got to be willing to listen. 
If you're a leader, you got to be willing to listen. You got to be willing to listen to other people's ideas. Now, you might not take that advice, but you got to be willing to listen. You got to be open. Number two, you have to ask that second and third question. And then there's a lot of times where we meet people and, you know, we say, you just like Charlie and I, when people would come up to us when we were working out, they was like, why are you, why are you guys working out together? Then they would walk away. They never asked, you know, you know, really, why are you working out together? And what do you guys have in common? You know, why do you guys, they never asked the second or third question. That's how you get to know people. And the third thing is celebrate your failures. So when you fall down or when you fail at something, you know, learn from that, you know, take that and learn from it. And then it apply it to your next, your next journey. You know, get back up and go at it again, but celebrate those failures because a, a lot of times we only celebrate the success that we have in life. But sometimes those failures that you've had have gotten you to those successes. You know, so those are three things that we really, really hit on in the book and we think are very important. Yeah, well, if you're not failing, you're not learning. That's right. And uh, the more that you can get happening, the better. But I tell you what. Uh, yours is a career that has been wonderful to this point, and we only expect more great things to come from you and hope you'll be coming back uh, periodically and visiting us on This Lady Loves Sports. Pat, whenever you call, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> the coach is in the building. Coach Byron Scott, thank you so much for stopping by thank today. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. I'm Pat Prescott. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.